And once again, we welcome you back to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Happy to welcome Cassandra Shand to the show. And Cassandra, this is uh, this is the first time for some folks meeting you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, as Brian mentioned, my name is Cassandra. I am currently at the University of Chicago doing a quantitative public policy master's degree program. Um, I did another master's at the University of Cambridge, where I kind of studied satellite politics, um, a lot to do with China and, the, and U.S. power plays. Um, that was a, a degree program um, in international relations. And then I did my undergrad at UCLA. So I'm kind of, kind of all over the place. And I'm just happy to be here. I know that I'm going to feel about, uh, I don't know. 10 or 15 IQ points smarter after you and I talk today. (laughs) I'm looking at an article that you wrote for nationalinterest.org. What the future, or I'm sorry, what the Sudan coup means for the future of U.S.-China power plays in Africa. And I'll admit, my attention has been anywhere but on uh, what's being, what's taking place in Africa. Bring us up to speed about what's been going on there, particularly the Sudan coup. And, uh, and, and how, how does this affect or how, is the, how does this involve the American government? Um, yeah, sure thing. Um, actually, I think Africa in general is a, is a very important area to study, uh, particularly in regards to U.S. and China relations. Um, and I think uh, the Sudan coup in particular kind of made like a small little headline. Um, it was barely there for many people. Um, so I kind of wanted to write about it to bring more light around it. Um, so at the time of writing that article, um, Sudan had just kind of um, imposed a military leader um, after deposing their um, their prime minister. So they were kind of going through a lot of protests, um, a lot of chaos in Sudan. Um, a lot of Western countries were were uh, encouraging the the military leaders, at least, towards democracy. China at the time was kind of like, well, I'm not sure. They didn't really do much. They kind of like after after the U.S. they condemned the coup. Then they're like, oh, we want peace. Um, and that was kind of as far as it went. Um, and in recent days, um, the past the past prime minister has now been reinstated, reinstated with a um, with the military leaders. They're working in conjunction together. Um, and so we've seen a little bit of resolve there, uh, a little more movement towards democracy. Um, but I think in the broader context of the struggle, um, we've seen kind of like once again, a U.S. China imbalance in Africa. Um I think, like, behind the scenes, China is heavily, heavily, heavily invested in Africa and all these different countries through its Belt and Road Initiative, which is a massive infrastructure investment project um, aimed at kind of uh, growing its influence in the continent. Um, and America doesn't really have an equivalent of that. So, um, where, like, whereas, like, uh, I think in many ways, the U.S. is kind of tied. They have a hands tied. They're not sure what to do or we're not sure what to do. Um, we want to have influence in situations where like we want like civilians in Sudan to make sure that I mean we just want peace right and uh I think at least like the Sudan coup showed us like we're kind of um we're kind of stuck with China, with with uh, seeing what China does first in many ways interesting i I guess this is one of those uh, overlooked aspects of foreign policy unless you really follow foreign policy um, you might not realize just how involved you know the u s is as well as other nations like China I would assume russia in in uh, you know Africa what uh, 
what is the what kind of influence has the U.S. had in terms of power plays in in Africa, and why is this, what's happened in Sudan likely signaling the end of, of the U.S. being able to to exert that same kind of influence? Um. Yeah, so I think um, kind of to look at like what the, how the U.S. has been involved, it's most important to get China first because China, I'd say since um, officially since 2013, has just been pumping billions into the region, but um, unofficially has had a presence since I'd say like the late 90s. Um, and so uh, the past you know two decades, um, they've been growing their influence and the U.S. has kind of been watching China and like hedging our bets in the region and saying, okay, we'll be, we'll be cautious. We'll keep building ties. I think the U S in many ways, we, we form a like more diplomatic approach. Um, whereas China has been just pure investment power. Um, and so recently I'm sure many of you have heard, um, by the Biden administration and the G seven, they're doing this whole build back better world, um, kind of as a counter to belt and road. So this is a more of a recent thing. So now recently, we are trying to invest um, massive, massive, amount of, massive amounts of capital to kind of combat China. But um, I say, for the most part, we're, uh, China is massively outdoing us on every level, um, investment-wise. Interesting. And and I noticed in your article you talk about the the U.S. Um, tends to be a little more interventionist in terms of, of it, how it relates to these these other nations you know around the world how it uses its influence China I didn't realize um, is is heavily you know into the economic activities mm-hmm. but not so much in terms of uh, they're, they're more non-interventionist as you point out here yeah um, exactly I, I'd say that um, nine times out of ten actually I don't really have an example off the top of my head to the counter actually so I, I'd say that China for the most part um, when it comes to economic goals, that's what they're prioritizing. They could care, I'd say more, they could, they could care less about um, the types of leaders they're working with. So I think you kind of see this in Afghan, you saw this in the Taliban, right? So mm-hmm. um, while the world was kind of condemning the Taliban, they were worried about the Taliban, China was like, okay, great, like, we'll meet with you guys, we'll form a relationship, we want we want X, Y, and Z to extend our economic corridor from Pakistan to Af- Afghanistan. So they were focused mainly on economic incentives um, in that like diplomatic approach, whereas I think like a lot of Western powers, they're more cautious. Um, and I think this is why like you see, you see China prioritizing, um, I mean, in Africa especially, uh, I think this is why you didn't see China outright condemning anything with the Sudan coup. They didn't know who was going to be in power. They didn't want to step on their own toes. They wanted to safeguard their investments, um, and that's what they did. Um, and, yeah, I think you'll, you, we'll keep seeing that. Um, I think it's well written into their diplomatic strategy. So I, I'm curious whether natural resources or just simply uh, geopolitical power is a stronger driver um, for the U.S. and for China when it comes to taking a more active role in, uh, in say, for instance, African nations. Is, is it mm-hmm. different between – I mean, do, does China have a different approach than the U.S. in, in terms of what motivates them? Um, I, I think our goals are the same, but I think China has become increasingly more effective at accomplishing those goals. Um, I think you, you can see this most primarily with um, mineral, mineral mineral reserves, like, for instance, like Colton, like the uh, um, a mineral component in batteries. Um, I think China owns most of the mines in Africa um, just through or owns, right, like air quotes, um, <laughs> just, you know, Belt and Road, like uh, uh 
yeah so they they kind of use their economic might to buy these mines or like heavily enforce um chinese power around them and like the u.s like while we definitely are interested in these mineral reserves and like i mean we'd be lying if we said we weren't um i i think china has just beaten us to it with um their investment strategy um and i think like um i don't know i'm not as far as like a accruing political power i think like china is definitely interested in that but i think like they are also under the belief that like just owning as much as you can of a country's resources like ports uh, national natural resources energy power um that is kind of power in itself right so um i'd say like I, I say like it's almost less for political legitimacy as opposed to like, where the U.S. is very active in like diplomatic relations. Just out of curiosity, have you ever read or been exposed to the book uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins? I have not. Okay. I, I only ask, I had the opportunity to interview him some years ago. This was a guy who, who worked for the U.S. government, and I'm trying to remember um, – which which part of the government he he dealt with if he was with the national security agency or what but his job was to go into countries uh, like in africa um developing nations and essentially convince them hey we want to come in here and invest in infrastructure build dams and so forth and they would they would give these incredible loans on beha- on behalf of uh, you know the world bank but if the if the nations weren't able to to you know, pay for them in a timely manner. Well, then uh, we'll just go ahead and take over these natural resources. Those are the collateral. And and it sounds this sounds a lot like what you're describing in terms of, of what China's doing in Africa. And, and I'm wondering, are they catching on to the same game that the U.S. government has actually been playing over the years? Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I'd say I think I think uh, most scholars would call it like debt trap diplomacy, right? Um, you build this massive amount of debt. Hey, you owe us. We're gonna come and collect later. I think um, China has definitely already been active in this. I think like uh, the Center for Strategic and International Studies (CSIS) they did actually um, they, they they have a few examples in their research. I know they point to like a Sri Lankan port um, that was kind of like um, I'd say like almost repossessed, repossessed by China. Um, in like a debt, a debt for equity swap. Um, so China's definitely playing this game. Um, I'd say like, I mean, I, I just, I don't see the U S as active in Africa at all in any way, shape or form. Although like we undoubtedly were in Latin America and other regions, I think like at least in the past few decades, um, yeah, it's China's game right now. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Um, yes. Uh, nationalinterest.org. Nationalinterest.org. Okay, we are talking with Cassandra Shand. She is a master's student at University of Chicago studying public policy. She's a Young Voices contributor. Cassandra, fantastic to have you on the show. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. 